Hey there, welcome to, uh, I guess, the Chris and Craig show. Uh, we're trying to find towels for all of our shows here. Um, but hey, we have a, it's been a three-time guest now. Uh, Christina Smith from uh, the Rutherford B. Hayes Center and Museum. Uh, Christina, we got to come up with swag that we give out to our multi-guests. I'm not sure what we can oh, give you for three. Yeah. yeah, maybe you should give me a t-shirt. Yeah, we don't have the budget to create t-shirts, unfortunately. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we, need, we need a bigger budget. Well, and let me mention this, because we're trying to hype up our new sponsor, Cash App. Um, ah. If you're like, hey, I want Christina Smith to get a t-shirt, then you need to get Cash App um, and start giving me money, and I can start doing the t-shirts. So um, it should be good, so. Um, I'm getting guests in my office too. This is great. <laughs> All kinds of fun stuff going on right now. But yeah, Cash App is a great app. Yeah, I um, you can it. download it. And. I'm ejecting my nine year old from it. From the... <laughs> um, yeah, lots of stuff going on in my home today. So, all right. But let me get back to my read. Um, yeah, Cash App. Um, it's a good app to send money to each other. So if Christina says, man, thanks for having me on the podcast. Here's 100 bucks. She can use Cash App to send me 100 bucks. It'd be great. <laughs> but no, Cash App's a great way of sending money to your friends. Uh, think about if you have to split a tip, if you go out to eat with somebody, how do you do that? You, you may not have that money to split on your own. Well, you can use Cash App to send money to each other. Um, is so, did someone do a job for you? Um, I have neighbors that go mow my yard, and if I didn't have Cash App, I'd have to go get cash. It's a way that you can donate, send money to each other, uh, do all kinds of different things like that. So check out Cash App. So, yeah, and then if we start doing that, now then we can get a T-shirt budget, and we can have a three-time rich club. But yeah, sorry, it was a long way to get there, but we got there. So <laughs> it's very good. Being a full circle. Yeah, full circle. <laughs> This summer night takes me a little bit longer to get full circle than it was earlier in the evening, but no, I'm all good. So lots that we could talk to Christina about. Um, you know, I don't know if we've ever talked about this on the show, but, uh, you know, once I became Facebook friends of Christina, I I found out her whole life. And we thought we had all the dirt on Christina. But every Saturday, Christina's there in Michigan clothes, and she's up at the big house, or she's uh, talking about, the Michigan game. Uh, Christine, how long have you been a Michigan fan for? Uh, forever. Forever. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> did, did you grow up in Michigan? Did you just always uh, like them? Like, no, always... no. So um, my dad had <clears throat> season tickets since the late 70s, early 80s. I want to say the oh, 70s. Wow. So since before I was born. So, okay. yeah, so I just grew up going to the games. We didn't go to every game when I was a kid. Um, usually it was just one a year. So that was always super exciting. So... Yeah, so I'm from uh, the northwest corner of the state originally, very close to the state, Indiana state line and the Michigan state line. So uh, up in that section, you get a lot of different, different bands. It's not all Ohio state territory. So yeah, yeah, but you're in the northwest corner. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're in the northwest corner of Ohio. Okay, I I thought you were talking about northwest corner of Michigan. Yeah, yeah, I'm from Defiance, Ohio originally. Okay. So yeah. So you probably had a cross of what Michigan, Indiana, Ohio State fans? Uh, yeah, lots of Notre Dame fans. Um, oh yeah, there's, there's state fans there too. So, 
um, Indiana fans, some Purdue fans. Very diverse. <laughs> is there, like, I guess the stereotype is, okay, Nor if you're Catholic, you're into Notre Dame, but is there a lot of fans that are near Notre Dame? Like, so, like, you live in South Bend where Notre Dame's at. Are there fans that are just fans of Notre Dame because it's a local college? Would you say? I mean, I, I guess I don't know for sure. That my brother-in-law is from Mishawaka, which is right next to South Bend, so South okay. Bend. So he grew up a Notre Dame fan, um, oh, but okay. he switched over to Purdue because both his degrees are from Purdue, and he used to have season tickets there. So, um, but yeah, I think if you grow up in that area, one of my good friends grew up in Ann Arbor. So um, I think if you grew up around that area, that's kind of a thing. So no matter what the what the big school is. So you've gone to every home game there for a long time, or? Uh, most of them. I went to every home game this year. Yeah, oh, okay. um, I, I do go to a lot of them. At, um, you know, every now and then I have some other commitment, so I miss. But okay, yeah. And are are they still selling out? I mean, obviously this year's been a good year for them. I mean, um, have, even during the rough times, this no, no, oh gosh, the I mean, we're going back a few years, but during the Rich Rodriguez era when they went oh, three yeah. and nine, I went to every home game, and no, it definitely wasn't a sellout. So, um, but since you know they've enlarged the stadium two or three times since I was a kid, so now it seems like on Saturday there were one hundred eleven thousand people there. Um, oh, wow. The highest attended game I've ever been to was the second under the lights game with Notre Dame, and that was one hundred sixteen something. So, um, so I don't know if they really sell out. I know a lot of tickets get sold on the, the secondary ticket market yeah. because there just are so many seats. So, but there's always, like they always announce at the games, there's a consecutive number where they've had more than a hundred thousand people there. So, except for last year with, with COVID, but I guess they're not counting that. So. You're a very nice person. You're, you're obviously, well, thank you. well, well there's one reason why I'm asking you're a, um, you're a devout Michigan person, which is fine. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm too old to yell about who you like, or who you like. It's, it's kind of pointless, but, um, but you're not like, you're a devout Michigan fan, you're, but you're a nice person. You're not like yelling at people online about Michigan or Ohio State or anything. No, I but sure hope not. Don't ever I, let me do that. <laughs> right, right. Well, you don't seem to be that type of person. I, I would be shocked if you're like, start cussing out Ohio State fans or anything else. Like that. But how seriously do you take this? Because, like, you know, Megan Henry, I was, you know, a friend of mine from the dispatch, you know, she says, ah, I like the Bengals. But, you know, she's not one that's yelling at me after the Bengals beat the Steelers. How wound up are you getting about this stuff? Like, are you are you fired up in the morning? Like, ah, hopefully we can beat Ohio State. I mean, how how intense do you get about this stuff? Um, I mean, so I don't know if the Ohio State game is a great example. Um, okay, but I mean, because I'll explain why in a second. But I think that I mean, yeah, where there's a big game, you're you're really excited about it. I would say, um. You know how sometimes like people, their self-esteem gets wrapped up in if their team wins or not. Yeah. Like I, I feel like I definitely am not that kind of person like that okay. because I, so my thing is um, the, like my schedule is crazy and I have all this stuff going on. So I go to games for fun. So the minute yeah. you're like, I'm not going to have fun if they lose and you're completely stressed out. It's, and it's not fun anymore than it's, you know, whatever. So, um, but I will say, I mean, you know, as you know, it had been 10 years. Um, yeah. 
So like, honestly, there were so many times we would go to the game, they would get blown out. We still had a good time. You know, we had, I always go with my sister and my brother-in-law and our friend Brian, uh, usually. And, um, you know, so we go out to dinner after the game and we'd have a good time. But to be honest with you, after so many years um, this year, I was like, eh, I don't, they probably aren't going to win, especially after what Ohio State did to State the week before. And as you right. know, Michigan lost to State. So I'm like, ah, oh, they just never win that game. So I don't know. I mean, and part of me was like, oh, this is, this could be the year. But then you get your hopes up and they get dashed. So uh, I was kind of surprised, like pleasantly surprised. But as far as like getting into it, I mean, I would say like I didn't have much of a voice left toward the end of the game on Saturday. So, I mean, I definitely get into it and have fun. But um, and I will say, uh, even though it wasn't really that close of a game, like we still were all really nervous because Ohio State had such an explosive offense. They always come back and win. So like once we're getting on through the third quarter, I told my friend I was sitting next to him like, Ugh if they don't win now, I'm going to be mad. <laughs> so, cause then you're like invested. So I don't know if that answers your question or not. Um, oh, no. but... <laughs> well, just trying to get a feel because yeah, you know, I mean, it's the Ohio podcast. And again, like whatever team you want, we, we're, fine with that. And we're not, we're never really like Craig and I spent a show talking more about football, which was fine on the first week of the NFL. And, you know, Craig likes the lions. I like the Steelers. So, we may have points to talk days. about that ridiculous tie. I don't know that I would say that, Christine. <laughs> well, we talked about that ridiculous tie that the Sears Alliance had a couple weeks back. Yes, that was but, crazy. Yeah, but but we talked more about when, hey, friends of podcasts are in, like, we're not breaking down football each week. And so I, okay. I'm more interested in you were at the game, the atmosphere, you know, what you saw, what you experienced, stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. It seemed like. I'm sure, as you said, going into that Michigan fans like, oh, man, we don't have a chance. We're not going to win, blah, blah, blah. But it seemed like once Michigan started going well, like I heard the fans. I mean, they were ready to pounce. Like we got in there and they handed us all our pom-poms. And um, we were like, you know, no matter what happens, because, I mean, they did have such a great year. And after how they played last year and then there was the whole COVID thing that ended the season. So it's been an excellent season. So I think the fans, regardless, because most of them I talked to were like, eh, I don't know about, the, you know, are we going to lose again? Um, but they were really into it. it. The atmosphere kind of reminded me of being there for a night game. Um, mm. This Ohio State game reminded me a lot of the 97 Michigan-Ohio State game. Like I remember at that one, it was so loud. There were times you couldn't even hear the band playing, and that was the same on Saturday. So, um, yeah, it kind of – I felt like it had that night game atmosphere. Um, yeah, it was very, and you notice, I mean, I can't remember how many penalties Ohio state had for false start. And I know some of that was CJ Stroud had been sick and he couldn't yell very loudly, but the crowd was deafening. And I think that was definitely a factor in that. So, well, and they, it it was funny. Ohio state's had a good run defense at different parts of the season, but when they've had a bad one, it's been like historically bad. Mm -hmm. Uh, they lost the game early in the season to Oregon that, they couldn't stop the run, and yeah. they just couldn't. And I'm, I'm not making excuses. I mean, mm-hmm. it's fine with me, but I mean, they could. I mean, Michigan pretty much came and said, "Okay, we're going to run," and they lined up as they were going to run, and Ohio State just couldn't stop them. Man, that's where Ohio State lost the game. It was crazy, but yeah. I don't know. old school. <laughs> yeah, this this game felt different um, to me watching it. You know, a lot of the, a lot of the criticism I think Jim Harbaugh and Michigan have had lately is just 
being physically outmatched by mm-hmm. by teams that have beaten them, specifically Ohio State, because that's sort of the the you know the marker that you need to set you know in the Big Ten these days is, is Ohio State's success. Mm-hmm. This kind of felt different, though. I mean, Michigan just thorough, just thoroughly dominated at the line of scrimmage. They did not look like teams in years past where they probably were able to compete in this game because of the emotions of it. Mm-hmm. Time, they actually looked like not only did they belong, but they looked like they were the team that the Big Ten needs to aspire to. Yeah, football, I would agree with that. Running, your, running the football down your throat dominating on both sides of the ball at the line of scrimmage. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson made a ton of money during that game. Not that he wasn't going to be a first round pick anyway in the NFL, but he dominated. I mean, did this game feel different from years past where maybe they're scared Ohio state or they've competed against Michigan state or they've competed against Penn state. Does this feel like this is a new era moving forward now? with I hope so. I hate to like, cause it's just one one win against Ohio State. But like you said, they kind of set the standard for what a Big Ten team aspires to. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe they'll go another 10 years without winning. But it did feel different. From the initial drive, I felt like it was different. Like you're already like, ooh, is this game going to be different? But then you always have in the back of your mind, Ohio State has that explosive offense. They have all those NFL uh, guys who will be playing on Sunday very soon uh, in the receiving core. They have C.J. Stroud. So, but it did feel different. I would say from the opening drive, it felt different. But you always had in the back of your mind, you know, even being up two scores toward the end, it was still like they can score two touchdowns like nothing, you know. But I would say definitely it had a very different feel. I think that, um, I mean, I don't know, I'm not a football expert by any means, but I think that having Mike Hart as the running, running back coach, I think that's made a difference. He's had a huge impact, obviously. Um, so yeah, but I agree with you. It seemed like the game was won in the trenches. So what, what year is Hassan Haskins? He was a uh, he's, a senior. he's a senior. He's a senior. Yeah. And oh, I don't, so I, okay. yeah, I think his eligibility is done. I believe he was honored for senior day. So yeah, I mean, I, unless well, he's he, got a fifth year, I don't know, but I don't think so. I think he's finished. You know, it's funny. I watching this Michigan team, I've watched them a few times and I'm a Wisconsin fan. And I of course watched that game. And that was the first time that I really noticed a big difference because Wisconsin has kind of handled Michigan. Oh yeah, a yeah. couple of meetings, especially at the the, the point of attack at the line of scrimmage, and that was a completely different game. Now, obviously, Wisconsin was vertically passing challenge this year, but Michigan looked like a different team. I think the Michigan State game was such an anomaly that mm-hmm. I don't know that that game happens the same way if they play again. And obviously, right. they don't play again, but. You know, Michigan just looks like a rugged SEC kind of team where they have, you know, as they call it in the college game, they have Jimmys and Joes up front that can wreck games on defense and they can run the ball down your throat at will. This is, I I mean, I don't want to get, you know, into the hyperbole about this, but this is a turning point for this program. It just looks like I hope so. It, is, it feels yeah, like it. Yeah, so. this is that like, oh, we want to get rid of Harbaugh talk is is quietly gone away because that's what it, that's what Harbaugh looked like at Stanford. Now they were more in a traditional I formation. Here they're more spread out, you know, like a traditional colleges these days. But this this it kind of reminded me of what Harbaugh built at Stanford and then carried over into the NFL, where he wanted to physically dominate you up front. 
And that's how you win games these days. If you can get to the quarterback on defense, you're in so much better shape than you ever have been because everybody likes to pass the ball these days, including Ohio State. And look what happened. You know, they disrupted C.J. Stroud. They did not let him get comfortable in the pocket very often. And their defense, that Michigan's defense has not been the problem over the last several years. It's really been their offensive identity, not knowing what they wanted to be. And now they they finally, I think, realized we can spread it out and be a, a you know a more you know prolific offense overall, and we can be a, a little bit more modern offensively by but still run the football. And that's what they did against Ohio yeah. State. And I tell you, at first you might think, well, maybe they won it off of a motion. They just destroyed Ohio State at the line of scrimmage, and this is not one of those you know rarities that's going to happen in this series. I'm not saying that they're going to reel off ten in a row, but this felt like this is now they're setting a tone for what they want to be as a program, and Ohio State's going to have to match that emotionally. And, you know, obviously they'll be playing in Columbus next year, but it just feels different at that program now. And it, it mm-hmm. makes me wonder, what if they wouldn't have stuck with Jim Harbaugh, you know, and, and maybe decided, okay, we got to change things up, and then you've got to institute a new program and a new a new leader at the top that's going to want his style, you know, it's, it's funny that, you, you you know, and I know it's one year, but this looks like it's got staying power. And I kind of, you know, wonder Jim Harbaugh's got to be thinking, wow, this is what it can be, Michigan fans. And as a Michigan fan, you've got to be pretty excited about it. Do yeah. Guys, do you like Jim Harbaugh? Uh, yeah. I mean, I've never been on the, the get rid of Jim Harbaugh bandwagon. I know that he's uh, had trouble, obviously, against State and obviously Ohio State, too. But, yeah, I don't know who else you're going to get. And um, he completely revamped the coaching staff. Uh, like you talked about, changed up the offense, new defensive coordinator that was better equipped to uh, running a defense that was better equipped to handle some of these teams. Um, so, yeah, I've never been on the get rid of Jim Harbaugh bandwagon. So, um, you know, I'm I'm good with him. So patience pays off. And really, I mean, it's a patient approach. I mean, obviously, I think the biggest problem for Michigan, especially maybe some of their fan base, is that Ohio State has ascended to this new level to where they're like mm-hmm. always competing for a playoff spot in the national right. championship. And I think Michigan fans, not that I'm one, but I think the sense was, well, why are they competing for national championships every year and we're not? It's right. sort of like the it's sort of like the Nebraska argument. Like people that grew up watching Nebraska in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, they don't understand that the landscape of college football is drastically different. In Michigan, you know, they have they don't have the the backyard like Ohio and all those other states where the the high school football is so much better. Whereas the state of Michigan's is just good. And you get some good players, you just don't get the depth that other states have. And I think people finally have to start getting an idea that winning 11 games or 10 games at Michigan is a pretty, you know, great effort, even though they do have that tradition behind them. But look at Nebraska. Look at where Nebraska's at. Right. Where they've hung their hats on tradition, 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 and they can't do it anymore. Like they've, you know, they thought switching to the Big Ten would help them. It hasn't. You know, Michigan, I think fans are hopefully they're a little bit more patient now and understanding that Jim Harbaugh can win those big games now. And, you know, you, you got to think that they're probably going to beat Iowa this weekend. And then you probably would have to imagine they're going to be, uh, you know, maybe playing Cincinnati or Alabama or an Oklahoma State maybe in the playoff. And who knows? You just never know what's going to happen. They're playing 
confidently and they're and they're on fire right now. They can beat anybody in the, and maybe not Georgia because Georgia looks like a juggernaut, but they can. Right. Beat, I think they can hang with almost anybody in college football right now, and they got the confidence now that they know they can do it. Yeah, I, I would agree. Yeah, I miss the old school traditions, like you know Ryan Day and Jim Harbaugh are way too young. I, I want like old. Big out of shape white guys like <laughs> Woody Hayes and Bo Schimbeckler did. Guys that didn't come back. You have to hire that body type to come in. Um, well, you know what, though? I mean, Harbaugh kind of threw a little bit of uh, gasoline on the flame there. Yeah, sure. I mean, not not that he like specifically called out Ryan Day, but you know, right. he made the, the reference yeah. to standing on third base and thinking they hit a right. triple. And I know a lot of people, you know, like Ryan Day ha- has been vocal at Media Day and saying that they're going to hang a hundred on. Right. Yeah. I think the rivalry is always going to be there because it's Ohio state, Michigan, and it's the game. But I think, you know, these two guys would, you know, whether it's a humble cockiness, but they have that confidence in them and Jim Harbaugh should be confident. I don't know why people just assume that Jim Harbaugh can't coach. I mean, the guy literally built Stanford into what it is. And then he took the 49ers to a Super Bowl. So it's not like Jim Harbaugh just forgot to but, coach, you know. But it's, but it's all wired down, Craig. I mean. Well, do you want him to, like, choke someone on the sidelines? Let me share a story. The Steelers got beat up this year. Yeah, that's what I'm really upset about, Christina. But the Steelers, <laughs> but, um, you know, their star receiver comes out and says, well, if we can listen to music during practice, we'll practice harder. And like <laughs> some of the old school series, like what? 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 What are you talking about? <laughs> so I mean, I want old school tradition. I want like you know Shemekko and Woody Hayes. You yeah. talked about Nebraska. Remember when Nebraska always had to run the wishbone offense, and yeah. they didn't have any, but they didn't know how to throw. So if they made the national title game, they would go against this. Athletic team that knows how to throw and they're faster than them, and they usually get beat up in the orange bowl and stuff. I miss those days. That, that was college for my <laughs> life. But Christine, I don't know if you remember. Well, this is before our time. We were not born at the time, but um, the I, I wrote for the Columbus Dispatch this week about some of the old Ohio State Michigan games, and I think it was '73 is when Ohio State ripped down the Go Blue banner, like they ran through the Go Blue banner. They jumped up, grabbed it, ripped it down, and tried to rip it into shreds and everything. And in 77, I don't know if you realize this, they tried doing that again, but there was four players from the Michigan 73 team. They were graduated by then. They came back, stood on the field, and started punching Ohio State players. They're trying to rip the banner down. So Woody Hayes runs in and starts punching the old Michigan players. I mean, that's old school rivalry. Wow. I mean, yeah, I know saying we want to hang 100 on you. I mean, 2021, that's crazy times. I don't think, Ryan, I don't think Ryan Day is built that way, though. I, oh, I don't yeah. think Jim Harbaugh is necessarily built that way. I don't want, I don't, I'm not going to advocate for fighting, although I yeah, do recall, I would the, I do recall oh, the day that Boston and, um, and Charles Woodson battle that they had. But, you know, I mean, sometimes it's nice when the emotions run high, but, you know, you want okay. people to be safe out there and you want them yeah. to play the game because I look at it this way. If they get into fights and you got to kick people out and then at the end of the day, you're not watching the best quality product you can. Right. I want to watch should be the, sportsmanship, yeah, right? Yeah. Sportsmanship should still be a thing. You can hate those other teams. And you know, like I hate the university of Toledo, but you know what? I don't, I'm not going to wish anything bad upon the university of Toledo just because I'm a BG guy, you know? 
Well, I want to ask about this because I thought this was interesting. Um, Christine, it may have been the year that Michigan was three and nine because I, I actually went to one Ohio State Michigan game. It was probably about 10, 15 years ago. Um, Ohio State won 35 to seven, but it was like weird because you almost expected it. So I think that was the year Michigan may have been three and nine because it there wasn't the buzz. I mean, it was almost like, man, if we don't be in by a lot, it's kind of weird because they're so bad this year. But, you know, it was strange. My wife was in a band in college and high school, and it was strange because when they announced the Michigan band, there was booing. And it wasn't just, oh, boo, ha-ha, you're from our rival. I mean, it was like boo, like Hitler came out. Uh, like booing the Michigan band or the Ohio yeah. State band? Yeah, it was just. Oh, like, because uh, there were so many Ohio State people there. I've been to a few games where it was like a home game. Are you talking yeah. about when they were in Columbus? Yeah, it was in Columbus. Oh, uh, okay. Because okay. like, that year was, they went three and nine. I think there were more Ohio State fans there than Michigan fans. So Okay. Well, <laughs> anyway, yeah, sorry. It, it was in Columbus, but the weird thing about it was there was like, it was vicious boo. It wasn't just, you know, ah, boo boo. It'd be like if Hitler ran out and said, hi, everybody, I'm Hitler. And they'd be like, ooh, you're horrible. That doesn't surprise me. Does that happen well, in Michigan? Like, what you, know, in- you dislike everything about the school, though. Like, that's the uh, that's the idea. You know, I hate the uh, the dance team, or I, I don't like the, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't like the professors there, you know? It's, uh, well, it's, like, like, a, it's like you dislike the, the, whole, the whole school, you know? But this is like vicious booing. I mean, yeah. it, say you and I had an argument, Craig, and we were a little cross each other for a while. Yeah, maybe we'd give each other a dirty look or something, but I'm not going, boo, Craig, you know, <laughs> get out, never see me again. You know, it was just, yeah. well, do they boo Ohio State bands? In um, you know, to be honest with you, I, they, of course they boo the team when they come out. I okay. don't do that. I will say that. But uh, usually they do boo them, and that happened on Saturday. But the band... I'm sure some people did. To be, I don't know why I can't remember, but it it wouldn't definitely not as bad as when they booed the team. So yeah, there probably was. was I'm bad. sure there was some booing, but I don't think it was anything like you described or I would remember. You didn't so. say like was there any students fighting like like no Ohio State students were like beating um, up Michigan people or vice versa. Yeah. So one thing I'll say about this game, uh, this game to be honest with you, going because I go when it's in Ann Arbor, it's not yeah. my favorite game because people aren't very nice to each other, and it's yeah. really the only game like that. Um, so I was really pleasantly surprised. Uh, obviously, I was pleasantly surprised that they won and won in such a dominating fashion. But the other thing that surprised me and I was very happy about is people were nice to each other. Like we mm-hmm. had. We had several Ohio State fans um, around us. There were people sitting in front of us and behind us, and ev- like everybody was nice. Everybody got along. So I didn't see any of that. Um, it actually was the first time in a long time where it seemed like yes. everybody seemed to get along, which I really like. It's it's less fun for me when people are yelling and cussing at each other, to be honest. Or yeah. you know, when you get up to go out to the bathroom and people are yelling at you because you're wearing Michigan stuff or whatever. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It was interesting. Um, you know, they had the um, Fox and the ESPN pregame shows were there, but it, you know, mm-hmm. it was a big game. Um, I had to write about this because I was working at our desk that day. Um, Fox unveils that. And I don't know if you know this, Christina. Michigan's band did the first O. Yeah, the first It was more of the black yeah. O. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't like the big production that Ohio State does. So, they announced that. I literally had to look it up. I wasn't sure if it was real or not. Oh, yeah, it's uh, true. Yeah. yeah. So I, I wrote about that. And that, 
That was kind of cool. interesting. They had a little piece about that in Fox for the game. Hmm. Uh, trying to think of what else was kind of weird pop culture about today. Did you see the big nut, John Peters? Was he? You know, uh, I looked oh, at yeah. him because yeah, two was it two years ago we ran into him before the game. I think it was two years ago, but I didn't see him this time. Oh man! I heard he was there. I think there was. Oh a yeah, he's always there. Facebook, yeah. So he's always around. But do he, he look at you differently since you're wearing Michigan stuff? I mean, um, no, I mean, he was nice to me. So okay. he, it was kind of funny because we had worked together before on something at Hayes. And when, yeah. then I ran into him, and so I went up and said hi, and he didn't recognize me right away. And he goes, I had no idea you were a Michigan fan. And I was oh, like, we kept it a secret. Yeah, there <laughs> that's, good. that's surprising because usually the first thing he asks you if, uh, you know, who you like in college football, obviously. He's well, he, I, he asked me if I was a Buckeye fan because he was going to give me a Buckeye. And I said, no, I'm sorry. I definitely am not. So oh. I thought that was enough to, like, let him know. But I guess he didn't quite pick up on it. So. I, do, I, do, I do still have my... Uh, the big nut gave me a necklace. Um, he knows I'm not an Ohio State fan, but okay. <laughs> he gave me a Buckeye necklace um, a few years ago, um, along with giving me Buckeyes, like I'm sure he gave you when you've ever covered him at Fremont. And I know that he gave um, our also our co our colleague Daniel Carson some Buckeyes as well. So that's like usually the first question he asks everybody is you know who they like in college football, which he does not talk trash at all. He's like the yeah, nicest he's very man, nice. yeah. and he and he just like love who you love. But um, yeah, yeah. The, the big nuts always fun. Uh, so but, uh, what kind of necklaces to people? Is he kind of like New Orleans? Like he's <laughs> yeah, well, hold, yeah. I mean, hold on here. I'll... All right. Craig has muted himself. I'm not sure. And there's the big nuts behind them. Well, I'm, I'm, in my, I'm in my room and I don't want the dogs to go crazy. Oh, so okay. just one second. I was saying maybe oh, yeah. the big nut is the surprise guest on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, no. so. yeah. I'm calling him creepy because he's giving out bucket necklaces and he's on there <laughs> and he's making fun of us. So, wow. Yeah, I didn't know that. That was, that was kind of wild. Um, there was something else that I thought. Oh, I'm sure I got some junk because I wrote a story about. about how the world was different the last summer. I read that. I yeah, read that. yeah, that so was interesting. Yeah, it wasn't as different as I thought it'd be. Like I, I thought it was going to be like gas was a dime or something. Gas so, <laughs> was a dime. Craig <laughs> is holding up his Buckeye necklace. Oh, well, that was There's nice the uh, the big nut Buckeye necklace. So he gave that oh, to wow. me, and uh, um, yeah, some of the things that he usually gives out Buckeyes. When he, whenever he goes somewhere, um, yeah. So, but Maybe this one he actually barbecue sauce. Yeah, yeah. Now, I mean, I know. Mm -hmm. I wish I would have uh, barbecue sauce. I wish I would cover him now because now he's got pickles and barbecue sauce and all that cool stuff. So <laughs> he waited until I leave to to have all the cool cool stuff that I'd love to get from him. But uh, love the big nut. He's one he's... of the nicest guys I've yeah, ever he's met. Very nice. He's got healthy, which is obviously the most important. Yeah, thing. yeah. He looks very different than he used to, and he's a friend of the show. You know, he's been on the uh, the podcast before too. We just need him to clean up his internet, though. His internet's a little yes, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, uh, but no, you know, he's a nice guy, and, and I'm glad he's getting healthy. I'm glad I lost weight, but he looks very different now. I I saw it was uh, a Twitter picture. It, it was at the Sugar Bowl the year they made the national um, semifinal. And he looks, I hate to say gaunt. I mean, he's in a much better shape, but it's it looks very different. I, I, have you seen pictures of him recently? It, it's very, 
It's very strange. In a good way. I like it, but it's very strange. <laughs> so, all right. Um, Craig, Miss Ohio confirmed for tomorrow. Oh, um, okay. Christine, this, this actually goes with our discussion. Um, we had um, Miss Ohio made the news, and we're, we're trying to write a fun little pop culture article about her. Because the Miss USA pageant was the day after the Ohio State game. Mm. And Miss Ohio comes out in a Ohio State uniform. They had a, I'm not sure what segment it was. It was the Be Fun. Or I, I haven't seen Miss USA pageant in a while. So she chose to come out in a Ohio State uniform. They're like, how brave she did that the day after they got beat by Michigan. <laughs> but very strange, too. She's a University of Cincinnati student. Mm. She was wearing a University of Cincinnati helmet, or at least she had it by her side. So mm. I guess she was playing tribute to the the two Ohio teams that were competing for a national title. And I emphasize the were because <laughs> one of them probably isn't right now. <laughs> oh, well, it's okay. All right. Well, hey, we are going to take a break. Um, you know, same show. We're just doing it in two different segments. Uh, we got some other stuff to talk about. Uh, so we'll be back with Christina shortly. Uh, follow us to our next break. Have, have a good one, everybody. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer. You know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was look, looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high-impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com. Yes, the Ohio State! Hey, back on the Ohioan, Chris and Craig show. Craig, Christina Smith, how are you guys doing? Not too bad. Yeah. How are you guys? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, very good, very good. So, uh, first segment we talked, Christina outed herself as a Michigan fan. No, she hasn't. I mean, hey, if you're connected with Christina for any amount of time, you know she's a Michigan fan. And it's good. And we talked about her experience at Michigan Stadium as Michigan beat Ohio State last Saturday. But I want to talk about a couple other things. Um, you know, the Beatles. Uh, Christina said she's a fan. Uh, Craig, are you a fan of the Beatles? I am, yes. I'm not a huge Beatles guy, but I like good music. Um, I, some Beatles songs are on my list of stuff I regularly listen to. But yeah, the Beatles uh, came out. Well, not the Beatles. Um, oh, who's the name? Oh, I, I'm blanking. Last name Jackson, the guy. Peter did, Jackson. Uh, yeah, Peter. Yeah. Uh, who did Lord of Rings and a bunch of other stuff. Um, yeah, he came out with the. Um, Get Back documentary, which they took video from Let It Be. It was the last time they were together as a band, putting together music, and they did 60 hours of footage. And as you know, footage from 1969 doesn't usually translate that well, but they restored the footage, and just amazing video from back then. And he took 60 hours of video and made it to a seven-and-a-half-hour documentary. I actually... Had it on while I was working last weekend, so I got through it all. I was distracted at various points. I, I can't tell you I intently watched all seven and a half hours, but very amazing. Uh, Christina, how, how long have you liked the Beatles for? Oh, probably forever, similar to okay. 
Um, so, so as a kid, I, my dad and I listened to oldies a lot. Well, with both my okay. parents, but um, so yeah, the Beatles are, yeah, liked them for a long time. Yeah, I mean, if you're at all into Beatles, and again, I'm a casual fan, I would say, but man, they tons of footage of them talking. Um, you know, all all four of them. Uh, a lot of footage of Billy Preston. I don't know if you realize he was the Black Beetle. He came in near the end and he played keyboards on a bunch of songs. And what a likable guy Billy Preston was. I, I just had some thoughts, and I know you guys haven't had a chance to see it. By all means, check it out. I think you'll, you'll both really enjoy it. Um, there was a lot of talk about smoking. And again, smoking was a very big thing back in the 60s. Maybe not quite as much now, but. I don't know. I mean, I, I was I'm on some Beatles message boards where everyone was ripping it. I to me it seemed to be more of a sign of the times. I mean, I'm not pro smoking, but it was very different back then. But my goodness, they were all chain smokers, and it's sad because yeah. you know two of them died. I mean, George Harrison, I think had cancer. Uh, you know, sadly John Lennon was shot. So I mean, I don't think anything to do with smoking, but. No, I, I thought that was weird. Um, and as you know, the Beatles have all had issues with drugs from time to time. So uh, that was interesting. Um, they were saying that John Lennon was probably really on heroin at the time, too, which I thought was good. Well, not good, but interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm very pro-heroin. But no, I, no I, it was just interesting to see all of the uh, satellites that were going on. Um it was interesting. Do you guys, did you, do you think it was Yoko who broke up the band? This doc seemed to say a couple different things. What, what, what was your guys' opinion that her broke up the Beatles? I don't, I don't know. It's it's hard to know, like, the behind-the-scenes stuff. Now, obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in watching the documentary. Peter Jackson's a pretty thorough... Um, filmmaker so I'm, I'm very excited although when i found out that it was you know, like seven and a half hours i was a little sticker shocked by that at first because i i didn't realize it was three parts i thought it was just a, a you know two and a half hour kind of you know documentary but um you know it's hard to know what breaks anybody up in in terms of bands because there's you know sometimes there's ego sometimes there's just creative differences and you know i think a lot of times it's probably more I think the media and I think people kind of exacerbate the problems more than they really, they're really not as bad maybe as what things are led on to believe just because it's, it's not a, quite a story when you're talking about a band breaking up, especially one as popular as the Beatles. Um, if there isn't some drama behind the scenes and sometimes you got to manufacture some of that drama. So I don't really know exactly what broke up the Beatles. It probably mostly was just creative differences, maybe just, you know, things run their course especially when you're talking about music. Well, they were together for so many years too. Like if you see the early pictures or like with their movies, if you watch a hard day's night, they're so young. And then um, when I, I haven't seen the documentary yet, but I've seen some of the footage from it and read about it. And they're, I mean, they've just, they're, they've gone through so much and they're so much older that it's, I think like you said, Craig, they get things kind of, they kind of run their course. You start to have differences and, and, but they were together for a long time, and they really grew up during that time, too. Did they, when did they officially start? Was it, like, early 60s or? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And so, technically, they broke up in, 
I mean, 69 was when they did the rooftop concert and everything. I, I was reading a little bit more about the band recently. I think it was like 70 when they officially signed the, hey, we're not a band anymore, papers and everything. But yeah, yeah, they were, yeah, they were together for a while. It didn't seem to be like super long compared to some of these other bands, but no, I, I thought that was kind of interesting. The dot kind of made an argument, like it showed Yoku was always at the band rehearsals, which seemed a little bit weird, mm-hmm. but it didn't. I, I think it was awkward to the other Beatles, but I don't think that was the only reason. You know, because I, I think Paul actually joked around with her. Like, Yoko did her shrieking song, which almost seemed like a uh, like an emo song that you would hear today is rock music. And Paul actually played the drums for her. So it wasn't like, you know, Paul felt forced. I mean, they were hanging out and everything. I think in the documentary, they had a line from Paul which said, hey, you know, John may want to do more things with her. And it wasn't, he didn't seem bitter or angry. It was just more like, Hey, you know, if you marry somebody, sometimes that changes your friendships or relationships with other people. I mean, I, you know, that, that's kind of the take I, I got of that. Um, trying to think of what else you guys might be interested in from that. Um, yeah, George Harrison actually left the band. Um, they had to talk his way back in near the end. And it was interesting. They didn't seem to like George Harrison as much. Um, like, he wanted to do all these songs, and they kind of poo-pawed it. And it seemed to be more of a Paul and John driven band. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Where does George Hanson rank for you guys in terms of favorite Beatles? <laughs> yeah. Probably last, but I mean, you're okay. also, well, but you're also thinking like it's an entirety of greatness. So it's not like George was like terrible. It just, you know, you've got Paul and it just, there's, there's, it's like good, better, and best. It's not like great, terrible, and awful. So that's, you know, even if you're the last Beatle, you're still great, you know? Right. I actually really like George. He, he's, okay. He'd probably be my number two, actually. I liked Paul the best, but okay. I actually really like George. So, you know, like Something is such a great song, you know? And he kind of did his own thing, you know? He was a little more quiet. But, yeah, I like George. Yeah, I, I don't know the band well enough to have an opinion on like my rankings of the top four. It, it sounded like George brought something different to the band than other people did, and maybe that was part of the breakup just in general. I mean, when you have four strong personalities that all bring different strengths to the table, you know, somebody always isn't going to win, and if that person felt they weren't winning for a while, they'd just say, hey, you know, maybe it's time to do something else. I don't know. Um, Trying to figure out what else struck me. Um, Ringo Starr was someone that was always, you know, some people love him, some people hate him. Um, I always like his voice. I think he's got one of the most distinctive voices, period. I mean, yeah, I think yeah. Ringo's great. I like Ringo. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't not like any of the Beatles. I think they're all great, like Craig said. So, yeah, some of his songs are fun, you know. There was some discussion near the end. Um, they had a manager for a long time that died. I think it was like 1967 of an opioid overdose. And there was some debate back and forth on who should run the Beatles. Um, the um, the family that Paul married into, they, they were interested. And there's another guy that wanted to do it. And they said that kind of 
hurts the whole process. I'm not sure how much you guys knew of that. That was something that's kind of new to me, but I thought it was interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know. I know from a lot of what I read, it seemed like toward the end there were a lot of conflicts between John and Paul, like creatively and personality-wise. But um, from what you've said and, and just reading what the documentary talks about, it sounds like they reveal a lot of things that I didn't know, which is why I'm excited to see it. Yeah, from the documentary, Paul and John, I think, got along. Uh, you know, there were some arguments like there would be with brothers, but mm -hmm. I don't know. It, it was just... I, I like the history side of it, and I, there was just a ton of just really interesting. You kind of felt like you were there and all. I, I thought the rooftop concert thing was kind of fascinating to me uh, because they haven't played or put out stuff for a couple of years before they came back, and they had cameras on the downstairs, you know, talking to fans that were watching up there. And not everybody knew. I mean, they, they said, oh, it sounds like the Beatles, but they didn't know it was the Beatles, which has been a couple of years. So it was interesting. They were kind of like the old school rock band because they have been haven't been playing for so long. I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, the police tried to shut down the concert. Everyone's like, hey, look, it's a neat experience. The Beatles are playing. And the police were like, oh, nope, we're not going to have that. And <laughs> yeah. they did shut down. I think maybe the concert would have went longer because it sounded like from footage of the concert, the guys were looking at each other like, hey, maybe we should stop. But it was a decision they made on their own. It wasn't the police. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I encourage you guys to watch it because it was, I, I was captivated. And um, I was disappointed, Christine. I don't know if you saw it. I wrote something. I I saw it trending on Twitter. I thought there'd be more interest um, uh, that documentary. So I did a piece about uh, the Beatles in Ohio. And I read that. Goodness, yeah, yeah, that was great. I, and yeah. I didn't know any of that. I thought that was really interesting. I had fun writing that. And usually, I was telling Craig earlier, usually concert, concert stories I wrote that I'm getting excited about the, don't get clicks, but stories I write that I'm like, ah, who cares? You know, it was the ones that did really well. Uh, but yeah, it was fascinating. It seemed like every concert in Ohio, there was like almost a riot and everything. And then, um, my favorite part of it was the 1964 Cincinnati judge dude that kind of came out with a, hey, don't let your kids go watch the Beatles. I thought that was kind that of was crazy. funny. <laughs> um, Definitely a sign of, of how times have changed and how different things were back then. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, there was an awkward dad joke where like they were like, hey, you know, there might be Beatles, but... They're going to bug your kids if you let them go to their concert or something. I, I don't know. Really <laughs> yeah, the bug analogy. That was interesting. Yeah. Nice. But, you know, the strange thing about it, and look, it's not necessarily the Beatles' fault. I, I, I don't know. I've been reading a ton of Beatles stuff, Craig. I, I've been going down a huge rabbit hole over the past week. Uh, but there was also talking about how the band really didn't like playing live after a while. But if you, even if you watch his video clips, I mean, it wasn't. Yeah, I know rock concerts, you shouldn't all be quiet. You can be loud and whatever. But, man, it was a scream fest. I mean, you really weren't even listening to the music as much, which I thought was wild. And maybe that's why they liked their rooftop concert, because they could hear. I mean, people were appreciating the concert, but it wasn't a big scream fest. I mean, they were playing. It was more natural and everything. Because I, I've read a couple places that they didn't like playing live because of that. I mean, you couldn't even hear your own instruments at times. It was so loud. So, 
Yeah, I think that that wouldn't, you know, that I don't know if that would be that much fun to play and all you hear is screaming. I mean, I know it's because they loved the Beatles, and I'm sure for a while at first that probably was very exciting. But yeah, that, that might get old for sure. How old is Paul McCartney? He's got to be 80, right? Oh, gosh. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he'd be late 70s if he's not 80 by now. Yeah. I, I think it's so fun to watch him play because, in essence, I mean, he doesn't call them the Beatles, but in essence, his band he has right now, I guess, is like the Beatles, maybe. I mean, I, very strange. Um, do you ever, did you ever get to see him play live? Or Oh, no, I would love to, but okay. no, I've never seen him live. That would be amazing. Well, he plays other stuff. It's not just Beatles stuff. He'll play like Wings. I think it was his other big band and everything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. Very captivating, man. I, I was reading a lot more about the Beatles and Again, Craig, sadly, our readers didn't read my story. Darn you, readers. But, but I thought it was good. a great story. I thought it was very interesting. Okay. I wrote, see, I wrote just for Christina, so I'm glad Thank you liked it. You got, you got one little click on there. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty much the stats on my story, if I can pull them up. So, oh, I'm like, who's that one person? And, and it was Christina, so thanks for being that one click on my story of the weekend. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and Christina probably read it during the Michigan game where he and Michigan beat up on ice. She's like, man, this game's boring. Michigan's winning by a lot. So she looked at our phone, pulled up my little story about the about the band. It was great. All right. Hey, let's talk about some other stuff before we're done. Um, giving you a shout out. What's happening at the Hay Center? Anything that we should know about? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's December. So okay. it's uh, officially Christmas season at Hayes, and we have a boatload of stuff to do. Um, so we have a lot of fun stuff lined up right now. The Hayes Train Special Model Train Display is open, and that's open through January 9th. And this year it is free, so we're excited about that. We do, if you are so inclined to support it, we do have a donation box. Um, but new this year is there is no admission fee for that. So. Um, that's a lot of fun. My favorite thing to do is blow the whistle, but you can do a lot of other interactive things. Craig has seen it and perhaps yeah. done those himself. So yeah. Uh, so we have that. Um, next Thursday is um, Lights of Spiegel Grove, which is um, our tree lighting event. This year we have a giant tree in the museum rotunda that we're going to light. And we also have um, some lights out on the grounds. Um, not a lot, but we have some. And we're going to, you can come see the the train, of course. We have a gingerbread contest. So if you guys are bakers, think about entering a gingerbread house. Um, we are going to have carolers. We're going to have a campfire with snacks. Um, we also are having sleigh rides. There is a fee for the sleigh rides. You can get tickets at rbhays.org. And we're also doing um, Christmas-themed tours of the first floor of the house. And those are also for um, a fee. Uh, so you can get advanced tickets at rbhays.org. Uh, the sleigh rides are almost sold out. So if you're interested in that uh, on that night, uh, go get your tickets. Uh, house tours are selling pretty well, too. So we have some free events that night, and um, we have some paid events. So it's a lot of fun. Uh, everybody who comes to the tree lighting, we're going to hand out LED candles, and you get to hold a candle and be part of the tree lighting. So that's going to be cool. Um, then after that, we have um, our Hayes Home Holiday Spirits of Christmas tours. So every year we do 
Christmas themed tours of the Hayes home at night for four days. This year it is um, December 18th and 19th and 22nd and 23rd. I am super excited about them this year because the theme is Spirits of Christmas. Uh, it's a Charles Dickens theme. And yeah. as you guys might know, um, Dickens, uh, most of his Christmas stories are about the supernatural. Like A Christmas Carol is a ghost story. So we're going to be doing um, some different things with A Christmas Carol and some of his other stories. So very excited about that. Um, and uh, all throughout the holiday season, we have some decorations in the Hayes home. Uh, Victorians, contrary to what a lot of people think, did not do a lot of decorating and the Hayes didn't do a lot of decorating. So the house isn't, it doesn't look like Christmas exploded, but there are decorations in there and it's very pretty. Um, and then after that, we have sleigh rides again after Christmas. Those are by South Creek Clydesdales, um, and they're going to bring the sleigh and the trolley. And we have tickets online, and those are still available. Um, and then after that, there's more. Uh, we have our model train clinic on Saturday, January 8th. So if you've got a model train and it's not working properly or you want to know more about it, you can bring it in, and we have some model train enthusiasts who come in and will help you with that. Um, so we have a ton going on. Um, uh, we also have our Christmas dinners start tomorrow, but those are sold out, but everybody always asks about those. I think that's the thing that we do. I get asked about the most. Um, so we're pretty excited about those as well, but they are sold out this year. So, you know, we talked about the spirit, you should speak to Christmas. I first thought it was like a drinking thing, but you're talking oh. about <laughs> Um, we'll have wassail, but that's not alcoholic. <laughs> and, and you were saying there's no rumors about the home being haunted by, you know, yeah. even the haze. Okay. It, it depends. It depends who you ask, but um, we don't know of any. Uh, like I can tell you, I've been in the house a bunch. I was over there by myself today, and I've not. I have not seen any any ghosts or anything. So um, we don't really have any any ghost stories about the house. So depends who you ask though. Other people might say different. Well, and to bring it full circle, if only we could talk to Drew Brees. Right. He might know. Maybe. He should come visit. Right. <laughs> who, yeah. I mean, I probably one of the craziest stories that it, it was kind of like the uh, Ohio State Michigan with the, the Michigan man for suing me. Oh, like when I first heard, I'm like, that can't be true. There's no way. And then <laughs> I looked it up and it's true. And, you know, the same feeling I got from you when you first mentioned to me the Hayes Drew Brees thing, where I'm like, come on. And I looked at it and there's all kinds of stories and pictures and all kinds of stuff. So, you know, maybe Drew Brees is haunting it. So, Drew, if you want right, to speak come out, just yeah. come, come <laughs> on and deny it. But I'm not hearing anything from you. So, yeah, it's got to be true. Huh? Boy. So very good. All right. Well, hey, uh, before we close, I want to bring this up, and I don't know. It's kind of a weird way of ending this, but um, I wrote a couple weeks back about Nightbird. Um, her, her real name is Jane. She's from the Zanesville area. Uh, she made some news. Uh, she has cancer. Uh, they're saying she has a 2% chance of living. Um, it's public. We haven't written about this part as much. Uh, she's a young woman. I think she's probably late 20s, early 30s. Uh, her husband left her when he came out. She had cancer. So, I mean, obviously, it's a very, you know, life-changing news, not just for the person who has cancer, but for their loved ones. But, you know, definitely a strange time to leave your 
your loved one that has cancer when that news comes out. But again, we, we're not judging or anything. Um, so it was interesting. I haven't got a chance to talk to Jane before, but uh, she was on Chris Cuomo's CNN show, which ironically happened to be one of the last shows Chris Cuomo has done for you. was suspended, but that's another story. Uh, but, you know, um, she had a lot of really emotional, good things to say. It sounds like her head's in the right place. Obviously, you know, to go for what she's going through, I mean, you know, I'd probably be screaming, going, not me, not me, but I, I deeply admire her, her for her stand and the fact that she's trying to encourage others to go through the same thing. I I don't know. Tell me if I'm out of bounds here. I wrote about it. I got a ton of email from people. Oh, I'm suffering cancer. I love her example. I'm hoping she's able to encourage people. But the sad thing is, I I hope people aren't getting false hope from her success. You know what I mean? Like you want encouragement. If you have cancer, you're you need help. You need any good word, any support is very good. It like I got the vibe from some people that were like, "Well, if she could do it, I could do it." And you know, sometimes encouragement doesn't have to end in a victory. You know what I mean? Encouragement could mean, "Hey, you're you're fighting a fight that you may not be able to win." But at least you're being encouraged in that battle. So I, I don't know. It's not Jane's fault. I mean, I wish her all the best. And uh, she's had an emotional story. I'm just hoping people are getting the wrong idea. Does that make sense? I don't know. I, I th- the more I talk about it, I feel like I'm saying something wrong. But I, I, I just don't want people. Sometimes people hear a story like her and just say, okay, I can beat cancer. And if I can't. And. I'm hoping people aren't getting the wrong idea of her amazing story. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I get what you're saying, and it's it's probably difficult when you write stories and then you get certain emails. And, you know, I think it's it's good, though, to hope. And it's good to, yeah. to, to latch on to anything that you can, no matter what you're going through, because you want to – you want to know that there is hope that, you know, maybe someone like her can inspire it's it. And it's not even a guarantee that she will survive. And it's not a guarantee that that person will survive, but it's, it's nice to, to, to latch on to the hope of you can react in different ways. You can, you know, take things in different strides. And in this case, I think with, with maybe the flood of email, it's, it's just, you know, people, you know, kind of finding that catharsis and talking about maybe what they're going through and then, you know, being able to see her story shine through and a story that you did inspired them to then, you know, message you and, and, you know, at least get that out there and maybe it made them feel better, you know, about their day or about their life that they were able to at least tell someone that, you know, what you did, I look at it like, you know, you're, by writing that story as innocuous as, as, innocuous as it is, Maybe you kind of were part of that help to inspire those people because you told the story of how she's doing and giving an update. And, and maybe uh, people can can look to, you know, can thank you a, a little bit, too, for writing that story and getting that word out to let them know that, you know, you're not the only one going through it. And maybe there are there is hope out there. I think. Yeah. Too- oh. oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, no, no. Seriously, you go first. 
Well, I think one of the things she said too, um, I forget exactly how she said it, but basically what she was saying is uh, you can't wait for life not to be hard uh, to go after what you want and, and to be happy. And I think that's inspirational to anybody. So, right. you know, maybe maybe she's inspiring people who are in a terrible situation, like you, these people who've emailed you who have cancer, just to, to you know, try to embrace uh, the time they have and live life to the fullest. Yeah, I agree. And I think if you really listen to what she's saying, as you said, I mean, it's not like she's like, okay, I'm going to survive. Everything's going to be all good. I mean, she's saying, hey, this very easily could not end well. But I was encouraged by her hope of saying, like, live each day to the fullest. You know, like, if, if she only has 30 days left, live each of the 30 days to the fullest. So, I, I, I hope for the best. And I don't know, I to kind of get a little silly for a second, um, I guess the theme of the night, some of the stuff that Craig and I are talking about off screen is, People don't read things well, and um, I've, <laughs> I can tell you offline about a couple of emails I'm getting right now that <laughs> or people aren't reading my thing well, but, um, you know, it was interesting. Some of the people thought I was Jane. Like, I put my email address at the end of the story, and I'm oh. like, I'm not Jane. Here's her Facebook if you want to right. pass on a condolence or, well, not condolence, but like encouragement or wisdom or whatever. Um, there were some other people who yeah, I mean, people got, get the wrong idea, but which is fine. I mean, I've done that too. When I've read stuff, so I, I wasn't offended. I thought it was just it's a it's a journalism rite of passage. You're not a journalist yeah. until someone <laughs> reads the story and then calls you th and then tries to place an order for takeout or whatever it may be. I mean, I can't even oh, tell yeah. you how many times that's happened where you've written a story and people assume that you're the restaurant that you profile yeah. or whatever. <laughs> Well, I'll say it. I mean, I do a lot of, like, trending news and everything. And we're trying to uh, – there's a story about a uh, young woman. She's a uh, Miss Ohio, and she competed in the Miss USA pageant. She wore Ohio State uniform. She carried a University of USA helmet. Obviously, the two teams are in the news for us in Ohio. It was the day after the Michigan game. And, you know, I talked to PR people. I talked to other people. And I said, hey, I want to talk to Miss Ohio. And they're like, oh, here, why don't you talk to Miss USA? I'm like, no, we're talking to Miss Ohio. This is a fun story. We're not covering the Miss USA pageant. We're kind of talking about a trendy, fun thing that happened during the pageant. So, I don't know. People don't read their stuff that well. But, I mean, I wish Jane nothing but the best. I know she's going through a hard time. Unspeakable, you know, from her family to um, – you know, the cancer and appreciate what she's doing to help other people out. It was emotional. It was she's very really inspiring. Story. Oh, yeah. I yeah, think she definitely. reminds all of us, you know, um, I don't know, just watching, and I didn't watch the show, but I watched the, the clips on YouTube. I think she just really reminds you to be thankful for what you have and the things that you complain about really don't matter that much. Like seeing somebody like her say, you know, I'm I'm embracing my life and I'm moving forward with all these major challenges. I just feel like really inspiring. Well, she grew up in San Antonio, moved to LA to pursue a singing career. Um, she's still singing in the interview. She's talking about trying to do another album. Um, it was crazy. Um, I listened to a more positive rock station here in Columbus and they played a song that I didn't know was hers. That I kind of liked and 
the day after America's Got Talent, she went on the the morning show to talk about her experiences and everything. I'm like, wow, I didn't realize that was her. And she's got still has a ton of ties to Ohio. It, it's been a fun story to follow. Um, and just you know, hey, I don't know if I could be that positive. Not just you know, I, I'd probably be a grump privately, and especially if I got to share my story like that. And bravo to her because, geez, I mean, you know, we complain. I mean, I, if I was on CNN. Yeah, even if I won the golden buzzer or whatever, I mean, I'd be like, I can't believe I'm having this or make a bunch of dumb jokes to really say how bad it is. But no, it's bravo to her. And again, my criticism isn't about Jane Law. It was just more, hopefully people understand that, you know, the encouragement doesn't always have to end in a victory, but Mm -hmm. encouragement is a good way of getting through uh, defeats as well. So Very true. Hopefully someone did that to Ohio State. You know, encourage them through the loss. <laughs> Sorry. We, we had to go full circle a little bit. But like I said, like I said, it's fine. I'm not a huge Ohio State guy. I'm not personally disappointed. We have more fun stories to write. I mean, what what we gotta write about this weekend? Oh, we gotta give Christina a shout out because Christina used her vast Facebook uh friend list to uh solicit tickets. She wants to go to the Big yeah, you, you, know, you know of tickets? Because I'm still looking. I don't want to pay an arm and a leg. <laughs> okay, yeah, you, you answered my question. I was going to say, hey, did you get your tickets yet? But... No, no. Well, we're looking for four, and I keep getting four. messages wow. from somebody who's like, I have one for $275 in the student section. And I'm like, okay. yeah, we're really – so we're <laughs> kind of thinking – you know, even if we could get two and two, but we're kind of thinking we're going to we're gonna get priced out. Uh, I have a friend who's going, and I think he paid five hundred a seat for his. Okay. So that's out of my price range. I mean, <laughs> so. so, so Craig, and again, no, please don't take any offenses, Christina. But what I'm hearing from Christina is this is the booster section, right? Where I mean, it's the hobnobs of Michigan, all the <laughs> Michigan men that Christina's sitting with. You know, is that is that the film that you're getting from from what Christina's oh. talking about? I'm sure they're going for even higher, but yeah, I mean, okay. everybody, everybody has to set their price, but, uh, you know, that's a lot. I don't know. It, it's you she probably, probably find something reasonable, but you know, like she said, you're looking for four, right. probably going to be a challenge, but you never know. You, you never know. You maybe never know. Something Saturday happens. morning, they yeah. could come down in price and, right. and, uh, that's other thing too. Lots of people selling, um, not on my Facebook friends list, but in some groups I'm in. Like you got to watch out for scammers too. I've seen know, a few yes. people post. I just lost. I paid X amount of money and it was a scam. And I was like, oh, I, I can't do that. So, yeah. so I'm hoping like somebody who knows somebody will have tickets, and I'll know it's legit. Or if you go through like you know StubHub or SeatGeek or something like that. So. Well, so speaking of those kind of tickets, Craig and I are selling. Big Ten tickets Ooh. for the title game. Yeah. <laughs> the cash app and just. Well, maybe uh, maybe friend of Fremont, Charles Woodson, may have some additional yeah. tickets. So right. Maybe... right. There, there you go. Yeah. Too bad um, if you if you got his contact info, send it my way. I don't. <laughs> I, I I can't tell you how many times I reached out to him um, to, to do stories and things like that. So, unfortunately, uh-huh. I never was able to get a hold of Charles, even though. I was really hoping too for my last story that I did, um, or one of the last stories I did in Fremont on the statue of, yeah. of, his, of his statue at uh, 
at Don Paul Stadium there at the uh, football stadium. So, unfortunately, no response. So, I don't have what the, in, the in for you there. Yeah. Maybe so, maybe somebody at the university could help you. We'll, we'll work on that. Not that I have major connections either, but maybe I, I can find somebody for you. <laughs> well, it's a moot point at this at this juncture with me not being in Fremont anymore. But it was uh, one thing that I was trying to hammer down, you know, lock in before I left. Yeah, that would have been awesome. I did that story and, you know, it was like a 40-inch story, but then no Charles Woodson. But I did get his cousin and some other people. So it's, oh, that's good. It worked out. It worked out okay. But, you know, obviously it would have been fun to have Woodson, but. Well, I'm fascinated now, and I, I shouldn't do this to Christina, but I want to know where Christina's tickets are. Did she have brunch with Harbaugh before the game? I mean, was it like, you know? Uh, they're, well, they're my dad's tickets. Um, okay. but they are, And then my sister has tickets, too. So okay. they are oh, wow. in the north end zone about halfway up. So. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So it's not yeah. the, the premium, like... Yeah, no. You're shaking hands. No, I'm, not on, the, I'm ball, not on the know? 50. <laughs> you're, you're not on the sideline. I will say, though, know? at one of the games, um, we we stayed late and we ran it. One of my friends works for the university, so we ran into him outside. And Harbaugh did come out. We saw him come out. All yeah. these people mob, mobbed him for autographs, and then we saw him get in his van and drive away. So Does Brady, that's the closest I've been to Jim Harbaugh. It's fun, it's, it's fun that he drives like a van. Like this. He does. It's a Mercedes van, but he has a bunch of kids, so it, it makes yeah. sense. So. Wearing his khakis. Yeah. Yeah, although, did you notice he wasn't really wearing khakis this season? He switched Yeah, in he switched it up this year. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, he doesn't like, yeah. maybe he's one of those that, like, he doesn't say like during the press conferences that he hates the the memes and the jokes, but maybe <laughs> deep down he's not a fan of being made fun of for wearing khakis on the sideline. <laughs> I feel like it was yeah. part of his change for this season, though. Like he yeah. the coaching staff, yeah. he had to take the pay cut, and so I like and I noticed that right away. New pants, so. and he's giving away he's giving away his bonus money to uh, staff that were impacted by COVID nineteen. So that's yeah, I cool thought that too. was so nice. Yeah. yeah. Ryan Day wouldn't do that. I'll just stir the pot right now. <laughs> I don't know that Ryan Day would do that. Well, our top performing story was uh, Lee Corsa said before the game, he doesn't see Ryan Day coming back. And again, it's sports talk. You just say crazy stuff. You know? Where right. would he go? I, I mean, think Woody Hayes is going to be resurrected with the dad to coach the game. You, know? <laughs> you just say all kinds of crazy stuff, get clicks. And yeah, it did work because we were a story about it. My goodness, people are still clicking on it. So I don't think Ohio likes him in general because he he drew the ire of Cincinnati fans when he basically said that Notre Dame belongs in the playoff ahead of Cincinnati because Notre Dame's played better a better schedule, even though Cincinnati literally beat Notre Dame on the field. So it's kind of a kind of a fun a fun. I don't think anybody in Ohio really likes Lee Corso at this point. Oh, Lee Corso, yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, hey, Christine, as always, fun to have you on. Yeah, well, thanks. Uh, lots of good stuff fun to talk to about on. from Michigan to Beatles and Nightbird and the Rufferbird B. Hayes Center. And, uh, yeah, always fun. Um, Craig, anything you want to promote or anything before you, uh, we close? No, I don't think so. I think we've promoted everything here and all the other shows, but uh, – Probably no reviews actually coming up movie-wise from Bob Garver or our New York City film critic and George Thomas from the Akron Beacon Journal. Kind of a strange uh, strange week for movies the uh, first week of December. So oh, okay. uh, we, may, we may not have a show with George tomorrow on Thursday. 
and we definitely are taking a week off with Bob Garver. So, so, so we may see more Craig reviews. As he yeah, reviews I'm going gonna, gonna to step in. Um, unfortunately, I have Clifford the Big Red Dog. Um, although I do also have Dune as well that I will will be discussing as well. So we'll we'll, we'll be able to fill some gaps there with with, with some of my stuff. And let's not get silly with the guys from Etcetera. As man, you think teasing Christina by her Michigan seats are bad enough? Well, we'll just go. We'll go hog wild and just talk about some goofy stories out there. And uh, what else? Um, got some fun interviews coming up. It should be good. So check that out as well. All right. Oh yeah, no worries. Um, my your your dog is good, Christina. It's all your oh, okay, good. Everything's and your cat good. made an appearance too, so you know. Your cat made an appearance. All wow. the all the animals are getting in on being distracting. So. Well, my my daughter made an appearance in the first two minutes of the show, and it was tough. So, uh, but no, we survived. We make it. It's all good. Um, hey, also, um, yeah, in addition to the cash mm-hmm. app that we're talking about, um, you know, we also have a couple of interviews come up. Townley with uh, Miss Ohio. Uh, latest I'm seeing on my phone, uh, 1 p.m. Uh, we're going to talk to her and then um, tomorrow. And then Ashton Doolin, uh, he's a Malone College receiver that now plays for Indianapolis Colts. He scored his first touchdown um, on Sunday, and he's supposed to talk to us uh, against Tampa Bay, Christina, against uh, Tom Brady. So, um, Bucks still won. Yeah, Tom Brady still wins everything, but it's all good. He's the goat. Yes. All right. Have a good night, everybody. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer. You know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high-impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com. The Public News Service Daily Newscast, December the 3rd, 2021. I'm Mike Clifford. A new report shows despite getting billions of dollars from the federal government under the American Rescue Plan, many airlines continue to interrupt travelers' plans with cancellations, and they are slow to issue refunds. When the pandemic hit in early 2020, air travel in the U.S. and across the world almost completely stopped. But in recent months, as the airlines begin to add flights, customers are complaining of multiple canceled and delayed flights, denied refunds, and customer service failures. Diane Brown heads the Arizona PERG Education Fund, which issued the report. She calls it outrageous that the airlines took taxpayer funds but refused to deal fairly with their customers. Airline industry has been short-staffed, and that has caused consumers to have flight cancellations that often have a rippling effect. Airlines blamed air traffic control, inclement weather, computer outages, and a lack of available flight crews for stranding or delaying passengers. Mark Richardson reporting. CNN reports the Congress averted a government shutdown Thursday evening when both chambers voted to pass a stopgap bill to extend funding through mid-February after party leaders brokered a deal to overcome GOP brinkmanship over vaccine mandates. Final tally on that, 
in the Senate was 69 to 28. CNN notes a passage of that stopgap bill ahead of the Friday at midnight deadline ended a standoff that had threatened to trigger a shutdown when a small number of Republican senators objected to Biden's vaccine requirements. Connecticut, now among several states working on what the new recreational marijuana industry will look like, a coalition wants to ensure racial justice will be part of it. The Alliance for Cannabis Equity is a collaboration between Concorp, a community development organization, and The Workplace, a workforce development group. Connecticut's recreational marijuana law also created a social equity council to ensure communities of color that have seen the disproportionate effects of the war on drugs have equal access to the marijuana business sector. Carlton Highsmith with Concorp sees the alliance as an independent group working in concert with the council. And it would be such a shame if the intent and spirit of the law were not realized because people didn't have information. That I think would be the most tragic of consequences. And that's driving us as well to make sure we try to be that authoritative resource guide for the community. Governor Ned Lamont signed the bill into law in June, making Connecticut the 19th state to legalize recreational marijuana. I'm Emily Scott. This is PNS. New York State United Teachers released a new report this week. It includes recommendations from educators about how best to shape the future of public education in the state. NYSET President Andy Pallotta says the union's Future Forward Task Force is suggesting deeper state investments in schools rather than returning students to pre-COVID standards. He says that means doing more to meet students' social and emotional needs by funding more school counselor positions. Some of the ratios are tremendously high in the state, and we'd love to see those come down in a big way. Like, let's not just make it one to a thousand or one to 500. Let's try and get it to one to 250 students, one to 200 students. He adds cities in New York could be using leftover federal pandemic relief money to fund these positions in their school districts. Anna Kayla Savitt reporting. And Maryland civil rights groups are proposing a lawsuit against Baltimore County there if it adopts its current redistricting plan claiming the map weakens representation for the area's diverse population. Ryan Coleman is president of the Randallstown NAACP, which would join with the ACLU of Maryland in suing the county. He says the African-American population in the area has soared to about 30 percent over the past 10 years and in some districts to 50 percent. Yet the potential map packs the black vote into just one district, maintaining a white majority in the other six districts, which the U.S. Supreme Court has counseled against in the Voting Rights Act. The map that they have drawn will dilute the African-American voting power. And you can't tell me that with 300,000 African-Americans in an 800,000 person county that we can only get one African-American on the council. I'm Diane Bernard. California-based facilities are refining half of all the oil drilled in the Amazon rainforest. That's according to a report released Thursday by the groups Amazon Watch and Stand.Earth. 
Now, organizations that fight climate change are calling on Governor Gavin Newsom to end oil imports from the Amazon region. Los Angeles City Council member Paul Koretz says California should not be a party to the destruction of a region that sequesters a huge amount of carbon and circulates 20% of the world's oxygen. As the Amazon is being logged, burned and drilled and converted to other land uses, we're losing more and more of it. And at some point, the it it could cause climate change to be impossible to reverse. The oil industry claims these moves will cost the state jobs and tax revenue. I'm Suzanne Potter. This is Mike Clifford, and thank you for wrapping up your week with Public News Service member and listener supported. We're heard on great radio stations. Find our trust indicators at publicnewsservice.org. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer. You know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high-impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com. Welcome to 2021 Talks, where we're following our democracy in historic times. Madam Speaker, pursuant to House Resolution 829, I call up the bill H.R. 6119 and ask for its immediate consideration in the House. Connecticut Congresswoman Rosa DeLauro called the question as the House voted to fund the government through February 18th to avert a Friday government shutdown. Only one Republican, Illinois Representative Adam Kinzinger, supported the bill, which now heads to the Senate. The Omicron variant has been detected in a vaccinated Minnesota resident. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. The person's symptoms have resolved. The person spoke with the Minnesota Public Health Department investigators and reported traveling to New York City and attending the anime New York City 2021 convention at the Javits Center. The Minnesota case comes one day after the CDC confirmed the United States' first known case of the variant. Vice President Kamala Harris's chief spokesperson and senior advisor Simone Sanders has announced her departure from the administration, the second exit among Harris's communication staff in recent weeks. In North Carolina Thursday, Harris praised the state's Democratic lawmakers for their help passing the infrastructure law. Because of their work, because of our work together, America is moving again. Because ultimately, that's what infrastructure is all about getting people moving. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi spoke about the importance of federal abortion care protections a day after all six conservative Supreme Court justices indicated they would uphold Mississippi's current law, banning abortion after 15 weeks. Codification of Roe is the strongest weapon that we have to blunt these restrictive anti-woman state laws. Now, we don't know what the decision will be from the court, The court is expected to issue a decision in June. The Department of Homeland Security says it's preparing to revive the Migrant Protection Protocols policy, more commonly known as the Remain in Mexico policy, which requires many migrants seeking asylum to stay in Mexico while awaiting immigration hearings. The Biden administration has tried multiple times to strike down the policy, but in August, a federal judge in Texas ordered the program restored. Finally, President Biden and First Lady Jill Biden lit the national Christmas tree in the South Lawn of the White House Thursday evening, continuing a tradition begun in 1923. For the evergreen tree reminds us 
that even in the coldest, darkest days of winter, that life and abundance will return. It's a bright beacon of hope that reminds us of the promise we find in Scripture. I'm Nadia Ramlagan for Pacifica Network and Public News Service. Find our eight trust indicators to support transparency and accuracy at publicnewsservice.org. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer, you know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer, you know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.